So, so I was looking at what has presented itself as opportunities in the last three months. There's some distinct um, growth things, but I want growth beyond growth. Uh, I don't want it to be just, are your top line sales increasing? Do you have more customers next month than you have last month sort of thing? Thriving is beyond that. There's more depth to it. There's a, there's a resiliency sort of baked into the concept of thriving. Some things grow very, very fast, but they have no resiliency. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. My name is Amanda Johnson, your host, and I am super excited about today's show and guest. Our guest today, Clint Brown, and I have had a bajillion inspiring conversations in the past few years, and we probably could have recorded many of them. But alas, we are here recording our first official Being Inspired conversation together, and I know that you are all in for a really big treat. Clint Brown and I have known each other for a few years. He has been a mentor, a friend, a guide, a source of inspiration for me on many occasions, and he has not only done that for me, but many, many other individuals in our community and farther reaching than that. So stay tuned, uh, pull up a seat grab a cup of coffee or tea, and enjoy the ride. Clint Brown is a social entrepreneur working and living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He is captivated by the idea of civitas, that it is not enough to be just someone's neighbor or customer or fellow citizen, but that you have a duty, an obligation to make sure they are okay, taken care of, looked after, and that there is an unwritten social contract that binds all of us to look out for our fellow man. He is interested in projects that benefit all, that make a community better. He spends his time fussing over how entrepreneurs are bettering their communities and therefore bettering the world. And I will add that he also spends a lot of his time fussing over his four beautiful children. So with that, I welcome Clint to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So as I do with all of my guests, I ask what it is that they stand for, what it is that they... Uh, believe in, what it is that maybe they're wrestling with or grappling with in their life. And you offered me a word. And so I had a lot of leeway to go, I thought, with that. And the word you offered me was thrive. Now, I have some interesting perspectives myself on this, so I can't wait to see what you think. But the first thing is I was curious what the definition of thrive is, and it is to grow or develop well or vigorously to prosper or flourish. Now, I also like to go to books that have supported my journey as a source of inspiration for these conversations to lay the framework, to lay the groundwork from which we can then expound. And it was interesting. I actually really struggled finding a quote that had thrive in it mm. in this context. And at least in the first few books, I went to thinking that's where I would find this information. So I eventually found my way to The Power of Now, which is a book that I have read and served me at a very pivotal point on my journey and is by Eckhart Tolle. Have you read it? I have not. Okay. No. But you do talk about it often. I do. So it, it's, a, it's like a reference manual of sorts for me at times, although I haven't read it in a long time, and I think it might be time for me to go back and reread it. But it's always good for me to at least ref, um, refresh my memory through these passages and through these quotes. And so the one that I want to read today uh, and get your perspective on so that we can have this conversation about thrive or thriving is this. There are cycles of success when things come to you and thrive 
and cycles of failure when they wither or disintegrate and you have to let them go in order to make room for new things to arise or for transformation to happen. It is not true that the up cycle is good and the down cycle bad, except in the mind's judgment. Growth is usually considered positive, but nothing can grow forever. If growth of whatever kind were to go on and on, it would eventually become monstrous and destructive. Disillusion is needed for growth to happen. One cannot exist without the other. Mm. So what are your thoughts on that? That totally made me think of, I lived for a season in Olympic National Park. And uh, one of the amazing things is how important uh, dead trees are for the entire ecology to work. And so being a Midwest kid going to a rainforest was quite a shock from an ecological standpoint. And the canopy above is amazing and it's 10 stories above you, 12 stories above you. But on the, on the floor of the forest, you'll find trees that have fallen. And as they decay, they provide the fertile soil for everything else. So all the ferns and everything else that grows in, and new trees. And so if you don't have that process, that's what popped in my mind. If, you don't, if trees aren't falling, the forest literally will just die. And the only way it continues on forever is for some trees to lay down and give birth to 10 more trees. And then all the animals and everything at the ground level really depend on that cycle. Um, and so I think that, you know, I've done a lot of gardening and a lot, I spent a lot of time out in nature. And so that's, I guess what that made me think of, but I do think that that appreciation of the cycle it's not a very Western thing. It's not a very American of us to appreciate a cycle. Maybe farmers. Mm-hmm. But uh, as, a, as a culture here, we sort of just want the, the growth chart to just keep going up. Well, and that's my, not really how it works ever. Yeah. And that is what I'm so fascinated by. And I love your connection to nature and how that is absolutely what occurs all around us. And I think that's why this quote, when I received that word from you, was so important to me because immediately when you said thrive, I go, oh, here we go. We want to talk about, there's this, I feel like there is this cultural uh, social movement right now of up, 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 let's thrive, 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 thrive. How can I thrive more in my life? How can I, so I have two questions and you can answer them back to back or just answer one of them. Why was thrive? I think I'll answer them both simultaneously. Oh my gosh, let's try that. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Ready? I'll switch back every other word. (laughs) Let me see if I can ask them that way too. Yeah. Okay, hold on. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not pull a muscle. Okay. So my first question is, why was thrive the word you chose? And I want to then make sure I go back and ask you how that cycle of the tree dying and then becoming the fertile soil for more things to grow in your own forest, how that has that, how has that looked in your life? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, that's a word I was came up with after my business partner uh, challenge me on a word or a mantra for the next year. Where did I, where did I think it was going? Where do I want it to go? You know, as you start to wrestle with end of the year stuff, new year stuff. Um, you know, a few years ago I, uh, lived through the life cycle of a business and, um, uh, it came and went fast, uh, a project I was working on and it was huge and very important. And the last, year and a half have been sort of a 
I guess decay is the right thing, but like when there's a point in the forest where you can't tell it was a tree anymore, it's just a pile of dirt. And this project is sort of just getting to that thing where it's just now a pile. Of, there's like four or five of us that know the details and not much paperwork's floating around anymore and no one's asking me about it in the media. And so I'm just sort of saying like, okay, I think I'm back to fertile soil. In which case I don't want to miss the next growth season. I fully lived the growth of that one and the decay of that one. And so I was just like, you know what? I think that 2018 was a lot about just putting that to rest. Um, there's several, I got personal seasons of my life that are sort of coming to an end and I've got a few professional projects. Um, uh, and so if I were to be drawing growth curves, a lot of my curves have come down to the point where they're just not, they're not decaying anymore. It's just sort of back to homeostasis, back to the original point. And so I was, I was looking at what has presented itself as opportunities in the last three months some distinct um, growth things, but I want growth beyond growth. Uh, I don't want it to be just, are your top line sales increasing? Do you have more customers next month than you have last month sort of thing? Thriving is beyond that. There's more depth to it. There's a, there's a resiliency sort of baked into the concept of thriving. Some things grow very, very fast, but they have no resiliency. Um, I think of uh, there's a parable in the New Testament in the Bible about uh, someone sowing seeds along the road. And um, the only seed that survives for growth is the one that falls on fertile soil. Uh, it is not the fastest growing. The fastest growing is the one that falls on the rock. And uh, it sprouts up quickly but wilts in the heat of the sun. And uh, so I'm not wanting that growth for growth's sake can sprout quickly and wither in the heat of the sun. And so more of the, the resiliency of a good thriving growth. Um, I've done a lot of gardening, went through, became a master gardener, um, which basically means that me and a bunch of little ladies um, know how to look up stuff online better than most um, about the health of plants and insects and that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, there are signs you look for in your plants to say, is this plant thriving or is it just here? Like how often does it send off new shoots? Um, there's things that plants do that give you an indication a botanist could come in and be like, oh, that's a really healthy tomato plant. And that's, that's an even bigger tomato plant, but it is not healthy or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's more like for those thriving factors. Um, and it sounds like you're, you're starting to point to how I think we in our culture and, and especially in the entrepreneurial world or, I mean, the business world in general, we look at thriving or we use that term, we throw it around mm-hmm. often. And, and as you said earlier about this, it's this continuous upward, 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 mm-hmm. upward progress. So I think you're starting to point to it in terms of growth for growth's sake versus this larger, more meaningful, potentially more uh, resilient approach mm-hmm. to growth or to forward Is movement. this going to have a healthy life cycle? Yeah. And so how do you either, or are you learning a new way? I don't know. Is this a, is this a concept you've held for a while or is this something that you're growing into more recently? Um, I think that, I mean, at least in the world of entrepreneurship, I've been at it a while. And so I've seen the beginning, middle and end of several things. I think as I was younger, just and an adrenaline junkie, just growth for growth's sake is fun because it's just chaos. And I enjoy that. But 
um, you know, maybe moving into, I'm going into my 40s, maybe more a season of managed growth or healthy growth. Um, because I do want a healthy life cycle. Some things uh, are birthed and live and die a very healthy journey. And some things go through those same steps, but it's not healthy. And so, you know, could my next round of projects and focuses grow at the rate they should grow and serve at the rate they should serve and, and move on when it's time to move on and really be appreciative of each of those moments instead of just rocket ship. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to do the rocket ship thing really well. Um, but rockets go up really fast and they come down really fast. There's nothing graceful about a rocket. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's dangerous, all of it. The whole ride's dangerous. Um, and so, you know, maybe backing off that a little bit and saying, can I just be patient um, and the way you have to as a gardener, you know, I mean, uh, especially in South Dakota, mm-hmm. you want an apple tree, you're going to be waiting six years for apples, mm-hmm. you know? And so what is your, how do you address an entrepreneur or a client or anyone that you run into and they come to you and say, I, they talk about this desire to thrive or grow or want to see that continuous uphill or you know, upward movement, what advice do you give them? What do you share with them? I, you... I guess I would be really curious is, is it a proxy for their, for them, their own value? And if they're using it as a proxy for their own value, i.e. the rate of success at my company's growth shows how smart I am or, or what a guru I am at this thing. And I think if you're doing it outside of yourself, if it's a, if it's symbolic or representative of what you think you should be, but maybe you aren't there yet, or it's, or it's not from an honest place within, then I think then you run the risk of the opposite being true, that its downfall is also a reflection of your character, which may not be true. And so I think I'm always curious of like, what what's the intention here? You know, and I think that's why community projects light my fire so much because the more distributed the benefits can be, one, it's more resilient, um, sort of like biodiversity in a garden. If you plant all tomato plants and you get one insect that likes those for the season, you lose your whole garden. Um, and in a community, you need lots of diversity for it to thrive. It, it literally doesn't work without diversity of thought and, and gardens and of plants and, and everything. Um, and so... Uh, I guess I'm more question, what are we after here? Mm-hmm. Are there are a lot of people who need to be served and you're really well positioned to do it and we just need to hurry up and get to that market. Or are you doing this because you're trying to impress your grandpa or your partner or the uh, a competitor? Mm-hmm. You know, I think when those things get outside of ourselves and we're like, I'm going to bring so-and-so down. It's like, that's really fragile. Yeah. That's so ephemeral and fickle that'll go so quickly and they probably don't care who you are anyhow so you're the only person on this journey and so that's my question is where is this at where does this there's this thing called locus of control and it's this uh l-o-c-u-s um it's used by psychologists like a locus of control is this is this happening within me or happening outside of me and which basically is it happening to me or am i happening to it and so anytime that that purpose gets outside of them I'm always like, hmm, mm-hmm. I, that's, we're getting a little dangerous here. It's outside, it's beyond you. It's outside of you. And then you're going to be, you're going to take all the credit if it goes well, and you're going to be the victim if it goes bad. And that's not a healthy spot. 
you need to be more in sync with it. Yeah. And that to me feels so true that so many of us are seeking success, growth, what have you, because we are so tied up in it being an indicator of Mm -hmm. our own value, our own Mm -hmm. worth, our own goodness, what have you. And to your point, equally then being the victim when it fails, when it goes wrong. I'm so curious how you have navigated that on your journey or when did you start to learn that or when did you start to practice that or how did that look so that it wasn't coming from outside? At one point, did it? Did you have that point at the beginning of your journey to say, oh, this is all, I mean, you said something about you were really good at the rocket that of course, and you've had so many lives and cycles and things, Mm -hmm. experiences. What was your journey like from it potentially having been outside of you at some point, if it was, and then it becoming something within you? Yeah, I think I've done quite a bit of homework on locus of control. And I think that current psychology would say, people come into this world leaning sort of one way or the other naturally. There are people who have sort of a natural disposition towards I'm in charge of this or natural disposition towards someone else is in charge, this passive other. Um, And we need that balance. We can't all be locus of control on the inside or all locus of control on the outside. Um, Oftentimes it gets synonymous sort of with like leader and follower. A lot of leaders have locus of control on the inside. Thank God. Um, a lot of followers are very willing to trust something happening on the outside. Thank God. Like we, we got to have that balance. So, but I think for me, I probably came out of the womb with it more leaning in, you know, more heavily there. And I think that, um, boy, I don't know that I could point to any sort of one moment. I mean, I've just, I'm such a voracious consumer of books and podcasts and conferences and workshops, you know, have read or attended them into the thousands. Um, I think that just uh, along the way, uh, learning from a lot of really smart people about self-awareness, emotional intelligence. I think the more you sort of figure out who you are and aggressively, I mean, really getting after being honest with yourself the more you have to answer those questions. Am I a person who plays victim all the time or am I not? And if I do, why? Um, you know, and I think just I'm, I'm blessed with seemingly a natural ability to like just, you know, uh, look at myself from all the angles or take somebody else's input when they say, Clint, this is, I'm observing this in you. I'm kind of like, oh, I'm really curious. I'm not defensive. I don't feel defensive. I see other people get defensive when that kind of stuff said. And I'm like, huh, that person just called me out of the blue or stopped me on the sidewalk and said this about me. You know, I had someone tell me they were scared of me. I don't know how many of your listeners have ever had someone say they're scared of them. But for me, I was like, that's such an odd thing to say. What, what's true in my life? I can't say what's true in their life right? They're on their own journey. But what about me? Is there anything I'm doing actively or passively or energy-wise that's creating an environment for that to be the word? So I'm just sort of that person who's constantly like self-evaluating, looking at it. And I think through lots of study, sort of learned this concept of locus, locus of control. And um, yeah, I guess just a blend of all that stuff coming together. So I would say long time coming, 
long time understanding. You know, I'm 40 now. I've been actively reading this stuff for two decades. So, mm-hmm. yeah, somewhere along the journey. And it sounds like you have, again, this a more natural or maybe you were conditioned, programmed, you came out of the womb this way, not to take things so personally or not to make it about you, but rather to get curious and look within and get inquisitive about not making it about you, taking it personally, but getting curious about what it is about you that could be actively or passively creating some of this in your world. Yeah, I'm just very curious in general. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, from being a friend, I'll ask pretty much anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm honestly curious. Like, if you don't have the answer, I'll just go Google it or some, I'll ask somebody else. Like, I want to know. And as a child, I was that way. Um, and that doesn't get any better with age. Uh, it's probably more of a honed skill now. Um, and I think, um, yeah, just naturally curious about my own health, my mental state. Um, you know, I've had a lot of family members with different uh, mental health challenges. And so you kind of go, how come so-and-so deals with this and so-and-so doesn't, or why, why is this so severe for my brother and it never occurs to me or vice versa? Mm-hmm. I'm just curious that way. Yeah. Not everybody, I would say, that's probably the number one thing. It's just the curiosity. And then it just is what it is. I don't really judge it. You know, if I'm like, well, I'm, I'm this, it seems to be that I'm this way or this word best describes it, then it's like, is there a way to, that could benefit others or do I need to keep that in check or? Yeah. Just sort of trying to understand it. Which is, to me, the idea of curiosity and non-judgment are some of the greatest values any of us could can practice more and more. Mm-hmm. The question that's coming up for me right now is what, so we talked a little bit about what thriving looks like at the beginning or how you want to move into the new year with that as your guide. Uh, and again, how it's this deeper potentially more resilient form of growth and, and there's um, additional benefits to it. In your opinion, what does it look like or what is the example of when things aren't thriving, mm-hmm. either in your own life or in the world around us? What do you see when we aren't thriving? Well, I think there could be, there could be healthy death. So let's just start there. You know, I worked in, in a uh, hospital as a CNA back when I was younger and, uh, to the best of my recollection, and I took some pre-HIPAA compliance, I took some notes, so I don't have anybody's personal information. It was like the little old lady with red hair kind of notes. But I had 11 people die while I was holding their hand. I was there for 11 deaths, which most people don't ever get to experience that. Like me, a nurse, two in the morning, holding someone's hand, talking with them to literally their last breath. You know, their kids haven't got there. Those are moments. Those are serious moments. And there's a real, I've also had four children and delivered one of them. I've intimately involved with the other end of life. Um, uh, And so there was a real beauty. I was sort of shocked by the beauty of somebody who lived a full life and the peace in which they were just like, well, it's been fun. Let my kids know it was great. See you later. I got other stuff to do, whatever their belief systems were. And other people who just fought it. They did not want to do whatever that was, and it was time. And this is all natural death. I mean, this is there's nothing going on here other than someone's old or just to the point of health where their body's giving up. And I think so we vilify the cycle. Like, we only like the parts of the cycle that are going up. Let's just be straight as Westerners. 
we don't see things as circle ever. We never draw a circle to explain anything here. Whereas if maybe if you grew up in an Eastern culture, maybe a, a Chinese or, or Indian or something like that, you might have circles might explain how life works a lot better. Um, uh, farmers have a pretty good sense of the circle of life. They're, they're, they're not overly attached to the cow as their pet because the cow comes and the cow goes or the wheat comes and the wheat goes. Um, but I think a lot of urban Westerners really have struggled with that. We just want it to go up and up and up forever. And so I think for me, there's a healthy, a healthy life cycle and a not healthy life cycle. And so, um, I guess some of it is the damage at the end, you know? I mean, somebody who, let's look at the human example. If someone passes away, there are people who like their death is almost a moment of honor for everybody. Like everybody just celebrates like, wow, look at all they did and all the blessings they had and gave. And, you know, like all the language at the funeral is all positive. No one's crying unless they just missed them. But like, it's not like opportunity missed or anything. Um, and other ones are not that way. Um, also a strange part of my past when I was young, I ran the sound at the local church. We had two churches in town and we went to one of them. And, uh, so there was funerals at one of two places, weddings and funerals. And we were one of those. So every weekend from the age of eighth grade, whatever that 14 through my senior of high school, every single weekend I was at a wedding or a funeral, you got some perspective there. You know, I've literally attended a hundred funerals at least. And so you could see families where just this person thrived. I mean, they had, it was resilient. It was valuable. It was, it was purposeful from beginning to end. And there was no like the road up and the road down. I don't know, on a circle, where's the up part and the down part? You know, I think again, that's sort of our look at it. There's other times where it's not. So I think in business to get, I guess, specifically answer your question. I think when like, uh, you know, like the Zeppelin, the famous airship that was filled with hydrogen. Surprise, surprise, hydrogen's flammable. And uh, it burned and it came down. It came down in flames and was just all damaged. I think that's when you go, something was off here. Something about its growth did not allow for a graceful or resilient death. Mm. You know, it wasn't decommissioned. It burnt to the ground and killed people. And there's a lot of businesses that when they go down, they go down and as damage. Um, and I also see businesses or projects that go, everyone sort of celebrates the end of it, comes to the end of a life and they have a party and they say, Oh, wasn't that great? That three-year project, that 30 year project, that 30 year company. Wasn't that amazing? Look what it served. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, so I think sometimes the death can also be an indication to how healthy the life was. Does it, does it die gracefully? And, maybe as it should, and maybe sometimes almost continues to bless right up to the, to the point it's gone. Humans do this too. Another one's just dragged the whole ship down. So I sort of think of it in that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I certainly have participated in both. I mean, I'm no ninja guaranteeing something's going to thrive. And I think sort of the craziness with which it starts can be sort of the craziness with which it ends. Trouble is to have the patience in that, you know, we're so eager to have it successful right now and not let it just grow up. I'm hearing a lot of what I hear you saying is that I'm filtering it through my own lovely, beautiful mind. And 
seeing how that connects, of course, to life, relationships, et cetera. And so much of what you said was so powerful. And I'm seeing that if I were to take what you said and synthesize it and say, so when we're not thriving, I'm hearing some themes like uh, we're resisting. So those who were at the end of their life and they just wouldn't go or they wouldn't you know, move, they weren't open to the transition. It was like, no, dig their heels in, clench their teeth. So there's this resistance to the cycle that I think can yeah. potentially point to when we aren't thriving again at any stage of the cycle, because mm -hmm. we all go through many cycles throughout our lifetime. And then there also was this idea of this patience. So to enter into anything, whether that's our life as a whole, mm. our relationships, our business projects, et cetera, are we willing to move in with a set um, point of patience that will allow whatever is to be birthed and created to do so in such a, in an organic, healthy cycle so that when it, when it's time comes to die, to fail to perish, whatever it is, we have the grace because we've allowed that patience to uh, support us on the way. And, and there was also this idea of purposefulness. And I think those go hand in hand. Can I be patient and purposeful in what I'm doing? And so I think the, the non-thriving to look at the, is to say, we're resisting, we're impatient. You know, we we want to start it off with a boom. I mean, I think even you said something there a minute ago and it had me think of relationships because that's often where I connect back to is that fast and furious fire, lustful, mm -hmm. you know, that relationship is more likely mm -hmm. not to thrive mm -hmm. or, or it will have that crash and burn death. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I just liked, I don't know if you would agree with any of that or offer any other insights or themes that you're yeah, seeing? I think that, I think that again, we, I'm not sure why we assume everything's supposed to grow at the rate we expect it to grow or faster than it normally would. Maybe because we live in a day and age where you can manipulate the growth of things. You could give your tomatoes miracle grow, um, or start them in the winter and not hothouse under growth light, right? For that simple example. Um, and we have seen companies grow very quickly. Um, so we have this sense that things, if they're good, they're supposed to be big and it's supposed to happen fast. And I, uh, again, that's a very Western thought process. I think that, you know, if I, if I were to, uh, let's say that you, uh, uh, found a house that you wanted to stay in and sort of put down roots. And as a gift, I brought, bought you a, uh, a fruit tree and I would say, uh, this fruit tree is going to be an amazing journey. Uh, you've got to really care for it for about five years. And then it will produce for your family for 20 years. It will just give and give and give for 20 years. And then it will give less. And then at some point, it either needs to become furniture or shade and be done with it. Like there's, it's a 40-year thing. It's going to be a great 40-year relationship. And don't miss any of the moments. They're all great. Then I think that you go into it with the expectation, like, wow, I'm going to maximize all those. Like, you're as excited about the, the it's, let's say it's a cherry tree. You're excited about the, the cherry chair that you're going to make out of it at the end or the dresser that allows it to continue on basically into perpetuity as, as much as you are the, you know, 20, 30 years of cherries. And so I think that, like, 
we don't think of that at all. That whole quote unquote second half, if it's a bell curve, we only want the curve up. But again, on a circle, where, where does it begin and end? I'm not sure. But uh, we go into things saying, I'm here and I just want to be at the top. Instead of this is going to have a, a life cycle. Let's, let me embrace that. This relationship's going to have a life cycle. Is the beginning and the indication to the end. Um, this tree is going to have a life cycle. This client's going to have a life cycle. This business, the place I live, the economy, it all goes in cycles. Um, it's funny to me that throughout history, uh, great writers, see, this concept is so easy. Poets for thousands of years have talked about the circular nature of things. And that, you know, that King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. He was writing a long time ago. Um, but now, all of a sudden, the last 200 years, we're like, ah, fooey on all that millennia of wisdom. Things just go straight up. And, uh, yeah, they don't. Yeah. I had chills when you were talking about the, the tree that you would bring me as a housewarming gift and the of course, the importance of what you said with that. Uh, it's so true to enjoy every single moment of the cycle and something that so many of us need to be reminded of, myself included, that we can't say it enough. We can't be reminded, I don't think enough. So yes, uh, poor King Solomon saying that however many, 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 mm -hmm. many, many years ago. Uh, and of course, we still need to hear it today because we forget. We're very forgetful. I, I wonder so. if it has something to do. Uh, I was at a get together recently, and uh, the host was expecting a better attendance. And about the tenth time that he said, "I don't think anybody's going to come," and there were six of us there, I said. Uh, don't miss the opportunity to appreciate the people who are here for those who aren't. And I think that we do that. It's like we're so, we're always wanting the the, the other state. The uh, it's, He was missing it now. There's great conversation now. There's great food now. There was great relationships now. There was as much affection and love and joy happening right now. And when you have a party of 40, you're still only talking to five or six people at once anyhow. Your party's still small. And so there's something in our nature that can very quickly be distracted by what it's not. Like we get some sort of thing in our mind, some sort of utopic version. And you know what? Had 40 people shown up the first 10 minutes, he probably would have wished it was 200. Like it just never ends. And I think often we just have to pause and be like, what's the now to appreciate like you and I are friends right now. I did not know you a few years ago. I know you really well right now. And 2019, we could part ways and not talk for years. So if we miss, if we're constantly longing for it to be better than what it is right now, then we're missing that this moment, you know? And I think that's part of the thriving thing. Like, so the nice thing about plants is they're pretty present. They're like, well, sun's shining, better get after it. You know, it rained overnight, better do my thing. They're not like, man, you know what? I just, today could have been better. <laughs> could I get some more sunlight? Like, yeah, it's just, uh, God, the day was a little too short. I really had my hopes high mm. and it was really just didn't deliver. I was hoping for three inches of rain, not two. You know what? They'll maximize it. A plant, you give a plant 10 seconds of sun and it will maximize it. Mm. And, and 
we'll complain if we don't get 10 hours, you know? And I think there's just a, a funniness about humans with that, that we have a hard time with nature. So I think that, you know, sort of all packaged in this thriving is appreciating the cycle, having healthy parts of the whole cycle. That's all thriving. Maximizing um, it. Yeah. Maximizing it, every point in Yeah, letting cycle. it be fully what it can be. I love it. Good. Mm-hmm. Well done. Awesome. Thanks. Oh, we're not completely done. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. Wow, okay. We're just done talking about thriving. Okay, I'm ready. And now I ask my three closing questions. Oh, I'm ready. So this is where we get to know what inspires you. Okay. Who is a source of inspiration for you and why? Uh, you know, I, the, the one that popped into my mind and then I, you do the thing where you're like, man, that can't be the one. And then you come back and you're like, oh, that's a pretty good example. I think throughout my life, my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, you know, on paper, he shouldn't have done as well as he did in life, like barely educated, came from poverty, ended up uh, successful personally and professionally. But he has this like, he's 90 and he gets out of bed every morning and gets dressed nice and shaves and runs five miles and eats healthy and checks on all of his neighbors. And like, he's as active and rich with life. And he's very wealthy. Like, he could just check out of all that and go live on a beach. And like, the eagerness with which he serves my grandma, you just can't keep up with the dude. Like, if you go stay at his house, it's just, he will put out a positive, energetic 16 hours like nobody's business. And you can't get him down. You just cannot say anything. I think some of that comes from being born in the Dust Bowl during the Great Depression in Western Oklahoma. I think everything is better now than it was then. So he's just grateful. But that gratitude, he's just so thankful that the the cashier was there to cashier. And I'm like, they're paid to be here, Grandpa. He's like, I know, but they came to work. They had a smile. They made me feel good. Like he he makes friends with everybody. Uh, it's just, it's challenging how natural and good he is at it and like how much joy he brings to people. And so anytime I just sort of get stuck in my own head, I'm just like, one, I can't call my grandpa and tell him that this is a bad day because it probably isn't. But then he's just going to have like the most sunshiny spin on it mm -hmm. of like, well, you could have helped them carry that thing and it would have made their day better. You're like, yeah, I could have, geez. Um, so I think for me, to, if I'm using inspiration as a way to adjust or shift my mindset at the moment, I can go to him pretty quickly. I mean, I can I call him. And we talk all the time, but and I find that it, he can you know right my ship pretty quickly. That's a pretty awesome person. Yeah, he's a pretty rad, dude. He inspires me just hearing about him. He's a go getter, man. I mean, it's just WWGD. What would grandpa do? Yeah. Yeah, he's he gets after it. I, I love the old guy. That's amazing. All right. What place or activity most inspires you right now? You know, I, I've sort of just fallen deeply in love with this quirky group of people I get together with on Wednesdays. Um, there's really two groups, and they're very similar back-to-back, -back, but in all, they're people who really think and believe that their job is to make the world a better place through their time and talents. And they are like 
on fire to do it. And no one's really asking them to. In fact, it's like, sometimes it's like getting in the way of their ability to make money. And they're just hell-bent on making their neighborhood better or their town better or their coworkers or, and I was, I had a video I had to edit yesterday and I was running late, running late. And I was like frantic to get this video done to run the, the four blocks to the coffee shop to meet with these people because I'm just so inspired by their sort of relentless pursuit of the bet, you know, of, of a better community and a better place to live, a better world. And uh, you've attended before, and they just are. Like, no one's asking them to do anything that I can tell. And they just have their hair on fire every week. They're like, I, I'm going to plant gardens in my neighborhood to make the sidewalk prettier. I want to create this new employee training to help multi-generation. I mean, it's just constant. And so I find I'm really at home in that place. Like, I'm just so relaxed. And it's one of the few times where two or three hours can pass. And I would thought it was two seconds. Like I'm just lost in the discussion and their thought process. And we're all very different, very different worldviews. I mean, we want to make the world a better place, but like you might have the most staunch atheist in the world setting and having a great discussion with the uh, theological doctorate. You know, I mean, you just never know what's going to show up. But um, yeah, I think that's the place where I'm just like, oh, I long to be there each week. Mm. And I, from having sat in now a handful of times, I equally am inspired by this community of people who are so passionate about making a difference. And what I noted right away that was inspiring me was they aren't just talking about it and they aren't just bringing ideas up and, oh, wouldn't it be great if dot, dot, dot. I mean, a lot of us can do that in our lives. I see these individuals then taking action and within a very short amount of time. So a lot of inspiration from this group and, mm-hmm. and kudos to you for being such a uh, integral part of that. Yeah, yeah. Last question. Okay. Favorite book that has inspired you? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of an extreme personality. I don't know where we get into that much on this podcast, but there's a book called Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield that is not a self-help book. It's it's um, it's a historical fiction of the Battle of Thermopylae, um, which is uh, basically talks about the story of the Spartans, and then the comic book Three Hundred was inspired from as an adaptation of that, and then the movie Three Hundred is an adaptation of the comic book. So if you've seen Three Hundred, you've seen sort of a reflection of a reflection of this book. Um. And it's one of those books that uh, speaks to the human spirit and resolve in a way that it's just, I have not read any other book that even comes close to it. Um, Strangely enough, it's one of the, there's two books, I've never been in the special forces, so maybe a listener has, but I've got a few special forces buddies from the military. And there's two books that they're given, one's the Bible and one's uh, Gates of Fire. And there's just a, a historical look at a human resolve, a people group to protect themselves and to survive and thrive that is just unprecedented. And so I think for, I've handed out that book a lot. It's an odd book to hand out because people look at it and they're like, I don't want to read like a 2,000 year old war story. It's like, well, get 
20 pages in and tell me you're not into it, you know? Um, and uh, the journey someone goes through, there in that book, it probably has the deepest sense of um, Spartan, Spartan citizens believed that their purpose and their and their common citizen's purpose was one and the same. And so what I do for me, I am doing for them. What they're doing for themselves, they're doing for me. And my actions directly benefit or harm them. They're very tied together in a way that when you read it, you have to reread it and be like, man, that's so simple, but it's so innovative compared to how we think. It's not a, there's zero concept of like individualism or every man for himself. And they were consequently able to do extraordinary things in history. Uh, and not just in the fictional book. I mean, in history, absolutely extraordinary things. Hmm. And uh, the journey of the book, and if you don't like fighting, do not read the book, but the journey of the book is um, there's a, a king, uh, Xerxes, who uh, ends up killing 300 Spartans, but uh, it took 10,000 of his soldiers to kill 300. And he finds... Um, one of these soldiers still alive and said, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to kill you. But before I do, you have to tell me how is it that 300 of yours can kill 10,000 of my top people? And you guys fought around the clock for a week or something. And the soldier goes and says, well, in order to understand me, I got to tell you my whole life story. So this book is this whole life journey. And uh, just an amazing sense of like overall life purpose. And I'm really challenged by the thought that like they're born into a very distinct life purpose. They have a very distinct life cycle. It's for the benefit of all. There is no other option. Um, and just the richness of that, I find so almost counter American on things that I've got to, it's a read it, set it down and stare, stare off in the distance for a bit, read some more, ask a friend, can you read this paragraph? Cause I, I think I understand it. Like it's a, it's pretty heavy. So that's one I probably, an unexpected one I probably go to. And my copy looks like it's been run over 20 times. So it might be time to read it again. Wow. Yeah. You never, you know, fail to surprise me. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Clint. Wow. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. And Clint is a very, very dear friend. And you're one of my favorite people. And I so appreciate you for all that you do, not only in Sioux Falls, but beyond. And I appreciate all the listeners for tuning in and taking a little time out of your day to be inspired and dive in a little bit more to what it is for you to thrive. And what does that mean? And are you appreciating the full life cycle? And are you embracing all of it and maximizing it and letting it be what it needs to be in its own time frame? And not rushing just Mm -hmm. to rush or see growth just to see growth. And I Mm -hmm. think there's so much, there was so much packed into this for all. So thank you for tuning in. Clint, any closing words? Well, I mean, if they haven't read your book, it's probably time to pick that one up in 2019. Uh, I think just check into your stuff, like read your other, there's so much, juiciness coming out of all your content so my suggestion is they need to dive into the rest of your stuff maybe circle back and 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 re-engage some of it to see and then you you love the feedback so if you're listening to amanda's stuff you shoot her a note or a facebook message or a comment she loves that she really does love her fans like we'll stop 
in the middle of a conversation to read me a comment from one of you. She loves you guys. So I think give Amanda a little love and feedback. You appreciate that circle. Thank you, Clint. Yep. I do. And I do. I love you all. And I thank you for tuning in and uh, staying inspired every day to be more of who you truly are. And I'll put some links in the show notes so you can find Clint. You can find my book. You can find all the goodness. So thanks for everything and much love till next time.